At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. In a culture growing in hostility, it's clear how far we are from what the kingdom of God should look like. As followers of Christ, it can be difficult to stand firm in what we are taught and what we believe in. It's easy to let idols slip into our lives without us even realizing it, especially when the world we live in puts people on a pedestal. In our new series, Daniel, The Clash of Cultures, we'll be looking at the life of Daniel and how even then Daniel had to navigate a culture who opposed God. We'll discover how we can put our trust in God regardless of our circumstances and how God is sovereign overall. Join us this new year as we study the life of Daniel and learn how to apply the truths inside this book to our own lives. You have your Bibles this morning, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, and you'll read it, the, the, um, the heading of this chapter is Daniel in the lion's den. So it's a familiar chapter. We all kind of, if you've grown up and around church, or even if you're kind of newer at church, you've probably heard of Daniel the Lion's Den. If you grew up around church, like I did, you know, in Sunday school, we had the felt board, and you'd have Daniel on his knees, and, you know, the lions with their mouths shut, and, you know, here comes King Darius with a couple beads of sweat on him, and, like, we, that's how we got to, you know, learn about Daniel in the Lion's Den. Or you had the VeggieTales song. If you're VeggieTales people, remember that, oh, no, what we're going to do? The king likes Daniel more than me and you, and you're welcome. If you know that song, it is stuck in the head for the rest of the day. It's been in my head for a while. Okay, all week I've been singing that song. But it's a familiar chapter, right? The problem with familiar chapters is two things. Is the first is we kind of tend to just gloss over them real quick because we know them. You get to Daniel chapter 6, you read it real quick, you know exactly what happens. Daniel doesn't, you know, follow the petition that King Darius made, so he throws him in the lion's den, God saves him in the lion's den, right, and delivers him. All, you, you know it, so you read it really quick, and you don't slow down and really get the context of what's going on here. And the second problem with familiar chapters is we tend to put ourselves in that chapter. We tend to make ourselves Daniel when we're not. Right? We, we tend to think of ourselves and go, man, you know, life's hard right now. And I'm not saying that it's not. There, there's a lot of people that are going through a lot. But we're like, man, I'm just, my boss is really mean. School's really hard. I'm just, I'm in the lion's den, man. I'm in the lion's den. And hear me, I'm kind of being sarcastic because none of us are getting our skin ripped off our bones at the moment. That might come, we don't know, but at the moment, I, there are times that are difficult, we know. But to put ourselves in as Daniel does a disservice to this chapter. Because it's not about us being Daniel, it's about what we can learn from Daniel. What can we see him doing here that we can learn and apply it to our lives? And what we see him doing here throughout the entirety is his faithfulness. In the ups and downs of his life, he remained faithful no matter what. At the threat of being thrown in the lion's den and being torn limb from limb, he remained faithful. And so that's our big idea this morning that we can learn from this is we need to remain faithful because God delivers. We need to remain faithful because God delivers. But what does that faithfulness look like? What does it produce? What does faithfulness right now, because there's so many of us that, that hey, we're, we're close to being faithful. None of us are perfect. But there's those of us that are, man, I'm, I'm working at it. I'm working as hard as I can to be faithful, and yet I don't see any fruits of my labors, or maybe it's difficult times. Like, what does it produce? 
And what we're going to see this morning are four things that being faithful to the Lord produces. The first thing is Christian faithfulness exposes cultural opposition. That Christian faithfulness will expose cultural opposition. Read with me in Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, of whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground of complaint against Daniel with, with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and the satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the precepts and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or a man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish an injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. So here we have it, Daniel, yet again, right? He's now on his third king. Remember, beginning of Daniel, he was pulled into exile as a young teen, and he worked his way up through the ranks of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. So much so that him and Nebuchadnezzar were friends. Nebuchadnezzar loved Daniel. We see that in Daniel chapter 4. And at the end of Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar's just gone. Like it doesn't even say what happened to him. He's just gone. And we pick up in Daniel chapter 5 where Belshazzar is there. And, and we read through that. And all of a sudden, he's gone. And here we have King Darius, the next king. And Daniel remains. Through all those ups and downs, and I don't know if you've ever been part of a big, big corporation that was bought out by another corporation, what do new bosses and new owners usually do? They clean house. They bring their own people in. They bring their own bosses in, right? Can you imagine like Daniel going again, again? Like I had it kind of good in, in Jerusalem from what I can remember. Then you brought me to Babylon, and man, that wasn't easy because ups and downs of going through Nebuchadnezzar, there was a moment where he thought he was going to be executed because somebody else couldn't interpret a dream. The ups and the downs of it and working his way up, and then another king, and yet another king. And here Daniel remains because of his faithfulness. And it says he had an excellent spirit. So he grew in the kingdom. He grew up. He was kept going up and up and up in the ladder. He was number two under Darius. He was second in command. And man, those other guys did not like it. They didn't like it. They could find, it says they found no fault in him. And why did Darius put these guys over it? So he would suffer no loss. Understand Daniel's position. He wasn't, he wasn't a pastor. He wasn't in a synagogue. He wasn't out, you know, preaching the word. He was in a governmental position to make sure Darius was making money. That's what he was doing. He was over people saying, yeah, you got to make sure they pay their taxes. 
He's, King Darius has got to get his. That's what he was doing. He was set over them. He had an excellent spirit. And you wonder why would he do that? Why, Daniel, like, why wouldn't you try to like fight back? Why wouldn't you be a little bit more less aggressive when it comes to being so perfect, if you will? Be less faithful and, and just mind your own business and not grow in the kingdom. Well, he was told by Jeremiah the prophet to live well. If you go back to Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're not going to go to verse 11, we're going to go to verse 1. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exile and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Skip down to uh, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on the behalf, on its behalf, for its welfare will, will find you your welfare. Jeremiah is telling them, when you're in exile, live well. Pray for the city that you're in. Build houses, live in them, build gardens, eat there. It wasn't this underground little consp like consp conspiring group of people. He said, multiply. Be in the world. He didn't say be of it, be in it. Live well among those people and pray for the city because its welfare will be your welfare. And so here Daniel is just being faithful where God put him. And it's a struggle a lot of times. And, and I want you to think about this because we'll get this to the, at the end too. It's a struggle for us to be faithful where we're at because the grass is always greener on the other side. There's always something better. Like, God, I don't know why you have me here right now. It's awful. If I could just change, if you just change the circumstances for me. He has you there for a reason, to be faithful in all that you do. And when we are faithful in where we're at, hear me, people aren't going to like it. They're not going to like it. They're going to see you as a threat. They're going to see you as weird. They're going to see you as somebody who, I don't know if I can, I don't want to hang out with that guy. I don't want to hang out with that lady. I don't know. And they're going to do things to make you look bad because they don't like you. They, they never will. And hear me, this is the hard part, is they're not supposed to. Like us going out there and making everyone like us isn't going to happen. Not everyone's going to believe the way we believe. So it, it, all, of, all the time of us trying to change our circumstances so that we can be around people that believe like us, I mean, that's just not going to happen until the end of the age. The new heaven, the new earth, where all things are made new, there, right there, we'll all be like-minded. But in the meantime, God has us where he has us to remain faithful so that the people around us will see Christ. And that's going to create some opposition. That's going to push, you're going to have pushback at work, at school, around friends. People aren't going to like it. And, and hear me, they're not supposed to. John says it this way in the book, Jesus says it this way in the book of John, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Right? Paul says to Timothy, 
It says this way, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. James says it the same way. Count it all joy when you go through trials of various kinds. Not if you go through, but when you go through it. Brothers and sisters, hear me. We are going to go through hard times. And it is our job to remain faithful. To remain faithful to the word and remain faithful to God. The second point that we see is this. Christian faithfulness cultivates uncompromising character. It cultivates uncompromising character. Verse 10 says this. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had a window in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and pleading before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Then the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was in much distress and set him to set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Character. What does Daniel do the minute he hears that the, the, the document had been signed? He goes and prays. He, he didn't freak out. He didn't go try to change Darius' mind. He knew the law of the Medes and the Persians. Once it's signed, it's signed. It cannot be overturned. And all he knew to do was get on his hands and knees and pray. But this didn't just happen. He didn't just get put in a situation and knew exactly what to do. Daniel had habits. It said that he went up to his upper room with the window open towards Jerusalem and prayed three times as he had done previously which means that was his habit. That's what he created. And these guys that were, um, that were conspiring against Daniel, I mean, they were, they were smart. They were smart. They, fought, they must have followed Daniel for months trying to figure out every one of his habits. They knew the minute that was signed, they went right to his house and waited for him because they knew what he was going to do. They followed him. And it, we know that they, that they followed him because they said they found no fault in him. They tried over and over and over again to find fault in Daniel and could not do it. So they had to come up with a lie. Flat out lie. Anybody ever been lied about? Yeah. It stinks, doesn't it? Like when somebody attacks your character. And here we have these guys attacking Daniel's character. We will do whatever it takes to find a flaw in him. And they could not. And it probably made them upset because you got to wonder, they were probably trying to skim off the top a little bit and Daniel wouldn't let them. I'm like, man, Daniel's making us look bad. And he was such good friends with Darius that Darius was going to put him number two over the entire kingdom. The trap was set and there could be nothing done. Darius, hear, hear what Darius does in verse 14, then the king, when he heard these things, was in much distress and set his mind to deliver Daniel. He had it in his mind that he was going to deliver Daniel. 
He spent all day toiling. Now hear me, he's the king of the entire region. He can do whatever he wants. But his hands were tied. He could not do anything. He tried and tried and tried, but these guys, man, these guys maliciously went after Daniel and convinced Darius to sign this injunction. And here's what they said. Hey, it's it's either you or Daniel, you pick. Which... Whatever you want, king, it's up to you. Daniel remained faithful in those moments. And I guess the question is, is can we? What habits do we have in our lives that will create faithfulness? And I'll tell you right now, I have some really bad habits that don't create faithfulness, that don't create boldness. What habits are we putting in place to pray regularly? What habits are we putting in place to read regularly? Men, what habits do you have in place to lead your family well? To lead your kids well? Don't know if you know this, but according to the Bible, men, it is up to us to lead our families. Are we creating habits for that? Or are we really just hoping it ends up well for our kids? Are we bringing them up in the ways of the Bible and understanding what it says in proper doctrine, in theology? Or are we just, again, man, we're rolling dice, hoping it works out good for our kids? Like, it's on us to do that. Are we creating habits of putting ourselves around other Christian men and women that will hold us accountable? That will create an environment that we're around that will help us to be bold so that when bad things do happen or people do accuse us of things, that we can stand firm in our faith. Are we part of life groups, men's groups, women groups? Man, or are we just kind of rolling by the seat of our pants, hoping it's going to work out well at the end? We have to be a church of intentional doings where we create habits to get us to a certain place. And those habits start small. They don't start big. Daniel, you know, didn't just randomly go, I'm all right with getting eaten by lions. Let's do it. I mean, imagine what he must have been going through mentally. He was not going to give up on his God. What they're asking him to do is go to Darius pray to Darius and have Darius take it to God. And that's not how it works. It's never been how it's worked. Daniel could not bow to anybody but the one true God who is in heaven. The next thing that we're going to see is this, is that Christian faithfulness reveals divine deliverance. It reveals divine deliverance. Verse 16 says this, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The, d- the king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the lion's den. And the king sealed it and it's with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his place and spent the night fasting, or to his palace, and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and the sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to to the den where Daniel was, he cried out loud in a tone of anguish. 
The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the, from, the, from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent an angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the lion's den. And out, of the lion, out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones to pieces. It's a pretty gruesome end there, but... Um, <sighs> Listen to what Darius does. He could not save Daniel. He spent all day trying to find a, a little chink in the armor, or a, a, a little like, break in the law so that he could save Daniel, and he could not do it. And so he calls Daniel and puts him in the lion's den. And, you know, growing up, again, if you've grown up and around church with the felt boards, it never really depicted what this must have looked like. It wasn't a cage that they threw him in. It was a pit where they lowered him down into the lion's den, nice and slow. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? These aren't lions. These, these aren't pets. These are starved lions waiting for dinner. And as he's lowered down into this pit, you can only imagine his good friend, King Darius, staring down, watching him being lowered. The fear that must have been over Daniel. He didn't go into this pounding his chest like, I got this. No human would. He got on his knees. He was praying. I can only imagine as he's being lowered down into this den, just praying. Just the whole way down. And what does Darius say? Daniel, may the God that you serve continually save you. Because that's the only thing that can. I can't. And he sealed it shut. Put the stone over the hole. And had... Nothing else to do but go home. He went home in anguish, spent all night fasting, wouldn't let anything bother him. Nobody was to come in the room and bother him, period. And at morning, he ran to see if Daniel was okay. And there Daniel was. Can you imagine what Darius's voice must have felt like? His close friend, the guy he was going to put over his entire kingdom. It's probably been torn limb from limb. but I'm going to try anyway. And he ran there and in anguish. Daniel, was the God whom you serve able to save you? And Daniel's response, can you imagine the joy that Darius felt that his good friend is alive and well? And what does Daniel say? He's like, God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouths. Spent all night wondering, maybe, maybe now they're going to open their mouths Maybe, maybe not, well, no, not yet, maybe not. Like, all night he spent there. And, and hear me, this is, this is the tough part. We all deserve the lion's den. We all deserve the lion's den. We have all sinned. We have all rebelled against the most high God. Daniel was found blameless and was saved. We are not found blameless. We all deserve that den. 
We have a God in heaven who is righteous, who is holy, and who is just. He is 100% of all those things all the time, and he never changes. And his justice demands that the sin that we have committed be paid for. And as much as he is just and holy and righteous, he is love. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for those sins. For all those sins that we've committed, he has sent Jesus to die for us so that we might not have to go through the lines then, so that we will live forever with God for those who have put their hope and faith in Jesus. That's what he's given us. That's the God we serve. A God who can, yes, shut the lion's mouths, but a God who can save us. Man, that should give us goosebumps. Man, that should put us in a place of just love for him. That sin had to be paid for. Our sins have to be paid for. And Jesus did that. Second Corinthians, Paul writes, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. We now have access to God in heaven because of what Jesus did for us. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And the last thing that we're gonna see is this. Christian faithfulness sparks spiritual awakening. Then, this is verse 25, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Daniel's faithfulness, because he was faithful to the Lord, Darius, who was king over the entire dominion, realized he's just a man. He could not save Daniel. In all of his power and might, Darius could not save him. But there was a God in heaven who did. And because Daniel's faithfulness, Darius got to know who God really was. And so here's the question, are we being faithful? Are we being faithful where we're at? Like, can we just accept the fact that God has us where he has us for a reason, and that's not a surprise to him. He didn't turn his back one day and then turn back around and go like, whoops, sorry, I messed up. Let me get you out of there. He doesn't do that. You are there for a reason, and that reason is to be faithful. To be faithful to him. Dave, you don't know where I work, though. Man, it's really bad. You have no idea. You're right, I don't. God does. God knows where you're at. God knows exactly. I work in construction. Those people, those guys are rotten. Yep. I work in manufacturing. Those, woof, look out. Yep. God knows. God knows exactly where you're at. And listen, he's calling you to be faithful in those moments. Whether you're on a construction site, he's saying, be faithful. Whether you're working in a machine shop, be faithful. If you're a professional, be faithful. 
if you're stuck at home with your kids and you know it's that day, you just really want to hug them really <laughs> well. Be faithful and don't hug them that hard. Do you see, do, but do you get it? Like he has you there. You have value in every aspect of where you're, where you're at right now. To be faithful. He's not calling you to go and be a Bible-thumping whatever. He's calling you to be faithful. That's what he's calling us to do. But we have to put ourselves in those positions. right? We have to create some habits so that when the hard times do come, that we can remain faithful in those moments. This past week, I got to kind of hang with a few of my friends and one of my really good friends... Um, he, he said this, we were just, we were talking, it was, it's a Bible study, and, and we're talking, and he said, man, I used to be so bold in my faith. When I first became a Christian, I was so bold. I just loved it. And as I got older and older and older, I feel like I'm getting weaker and weaker and weaker in my faith. Not that I'm questioning my faith, but I'm just not as bold as I once was. And we all kind of just sat there kind of like, I mean, you're not the only one. Right, like kettle black, right? And one of the guys says, he goes, well, of course. You have a lot more to lose now. So when you were young in your faith, you weren't married. A single guy, what's the worst that's going to happen? You might lose a friend or two, big deal. You have 50 more. But now taking the stances when we have kids and wives and jobs, there's a lot more at stake and so this morning, the challenge is this to all of us, that does the, do those things really matter? Do those, in the grand scheme of our lives, do looking good to our friends on a football field when we're coaching or a basketball court when we're coaching or when we're at work, is that more important than staying faithful to a God who loved us so much? that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. So this morning, as we leave, the phrase that I want us to take with us is, be faithful. Be faithful. Continue in that faith. Continue in that boldness so that the people out there see it and get to see a glimpse of what God can really do. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, this morning, we come before you as a large group of people, a large group of sinners that desperately need you. God, give us a spirit of boldness that's not afraid to just be who you've called us to be. Help us to understand you've put us where you've put us, and that's where, that's where you want us. And to be bold in those moments and in those places. Help us to never forget the amazing work that you've done in and around us. God, just help us to remain faithful to you in all walks of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.